Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often this hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed, full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Sasha Hayko, CEO and co-founder of Unitree, a computer vision startup tackling the problem of moderating online content and preventing online abuse. Sasha's entrepreneurial journey was by no means inevitable. She was well on course for a career in academia, having studied black holes and published research alongside Professor Stephen Hawking during her PhD at Cambridge. Her time in academia was featured in a Netflix documentary that followed Stephen, Sasha and their team. The documentary was so successful that just googling Sasha's name has become one of the largest sources of traffic to the EF website. It makes her move from academia even more interesting. In our conversation, we discuss the big life decisions she has made and how she's made them. We discuss what it feels like to make those big life decisions with no clear long-term destination in mind and how optimising for learning has allowed her career to unfold organically. We also discuss our differing attitudes towards the mayhem of startup life, as well as the advantages of two-way mentoring for startup founders. In the same way that Sasha describes learning what you don't want from the founding process at EF, I learned a lot about myself in the conversation with Sasha too, as we both figure out what being a CEO means to the both of us. How do you go about making decisions as an unstructured thinker when it comes to work? I think I try and not worry about a decision if it's if it's reversible. So try and only put a lot of um, time or or uh, angst, mental energy, into worrying about decisions that are um, I can't go back on. Um, so in general, if I'm thinking like, you know, should I should I do this? Is this a good step for me? Um, I feel like why not give it a go unless it's going to lead to something I can't change in the future. How do you work out whether it's irreversible or reversible? I think I felt like um, joining EF, for example, was a... Um, I wasn't at that point committing to doing a startup for the rest of my life. So that that felt like, you know, a good a good thing to do, um, and I guess a much bigger decision was like, it, is this the company I want to build? Is this the co-founder I want to build it with? Um, and those things I took much more thought, um, and like you know, I had to feel have much more conviction. Like, the, yes, this is definitely right for me. Um, but other decisions like what you know, what's the best thing to work on today? I've got a list of a whole loads of things to do. Ultimately, like, they all need to happen. It's not worth agonising over. I just need to crack on. Um, or, you know, when there's a choice, A or B, when when it's ultimately you could you could go back on it, then I think it's, I try and be quicker about it. It's interesting that uh, EF lowers the barrier to entry and by, by allowing people who want to distinguish between those two different types of decisions if it is the two-way door then all of a sudden you have so many more people who could start a company that way because you 
de- you de-risk the decision. Definitely, and and they like um, they pay you for the time that you're on the program, so it's not like you're you know you're suddenly not having any any money, and um, so I think it, like it's really opened up a lot of opportunities. Mm. It's really great, really great thing. Yeah. Supporter of EF, having gone through it. Yeah. Um, was, when yeah. was like the first time that you that you thought about like what you wanted to become? Can you remember that like first memory that you went through? I'm not sure. I feel like I've always been the kind of person that's not um, been so driven by one thing. It's not like I thought I really want to be like a ballerina, and that's what I set my heart on, or like I'm fascinated by whatever. Um, I was more, I've always been more of a generalist and more, like, there are lots of things I'd like to do. And um, I used to think that was a, a problem in some way. Like, I didn't have a ambition to do one specific thing. And so how, how was I going to find my calling? Um, and what it's meant in some ways is that I've been quite varied. And, I mean, I'm still at the beginning of my career, really. But um, I sort of just followed my nose and ended up, going pursuing academia for a bit then realizing I wanted to change track and and doing something else um so I don't think I had a good sense of what I want to become but I feel like I'm quite an ambitious person generally even if I didn't know exactly what what that looked like it's odd that there are negative connotations with following your nose that way like you are by and so many accounts wildly successful so early on in your career and uh the, the the pace at which you've move through things is so fast but the traditional like way that we would look at that is like oh yeah goodness Sasha knew exactly what she wanted to do there and she was like super focused but it sounds like that wasn't the case no not at all I am I think I had no idea what I wanted to do most of the time I just like I I mean even going from school I I didn't really know what I wanted to do Mm. um and then ended up picking uh, I studied natural sciences at uni which is like a broad science program and that Mm. appealed kind of kept my options open so I felt like oh that's a good good strategy did that and then each year I was like oh what do I like the most and then I kind of specialized more and more into things I enjoyed most at that time and so then ended up in a math department looking at physics-y things um and did a PhD but that way not but, but I definitely didn't set out wanting to do that at the beginning I never would have guessed that that's what I would have done um and then like really enjoyed it had a like Great experiences, went to America for a year, loved that. And just depending on who I, because of people I've met and like situations I found myself in, it's kind of always led to the next thing that I thought like, oh, I want to give that a go. Um, Yeah. When was the first time that you felt like you were, I mean, inevitably on that journey, the options are going to restrict at some point and the road's going to narrow. Like, When was the first time you made a decision where you felt like, probably after university, where you felt like actually I need I'm going to make a decision here that's going to limit my options rather than make them broader. I don't know if it was limit, but I had to um, have a real kind of uh, decision to leave academia um, at the end of my PhD. Mm-hmm. I felt, I mean, I, I really enjoyed like research, um, and but I started to feel that it that it wasn't maybe for me, and so I did apply for some academic positions. Um, and then I had to sort of make that call where am I going to turn down this, this or move away from this path that I'm already on, that I already know, and into the complete unknown and join EF or do something like start a startup, which, you know, to be honest, might probably will fail. Um, and that felt like a very big 
very big decision um, because I really knew nothing about startups and um, was quite comfortable in some ways and, you know, in my researchy life. Um, so that felt like the first, maybe the first time I had to make a, a, a sort of life choice, I guess, in that in the work environment work context where did you where did you begin it's such a there's so many inputs that go into that decision where did you start yeah it's a hard question um i think i um tried to kind of imagine or explore what it would be like to have different different roles um try to talk to lots of people in who had these different roles and just meet people and see what resonated with me um i i think i got quite into startups by reading some startup books and just thought it sounded so exciting and had a kind of pace and energy and like raw drive or um maybe that's the wrong word but a, a kind of excitement that i just wasn't getting um in academia and i found like i, I really love learning like learning new things and I kind of, it's a bit counterintuitive, but I found that actually moving into a startup, I would actually learn at a faster pace than in research. Even though the goal of research is, is to learn new things, the, the pace of it is is slower. Whereas I, found, and I feel like now I'm learning something every day. It's like a big uh, challenge. Um, and it's a different, different kind of learning, but I feel like I, I kind of think what I worked out was what's important to me is is being challenged and um, solving difficult problems but it actually what wasn't it didn't matter so much um, that that was an academic problem I realized that, that that was why I enjoyed kind of the researchy stuff but it didn't have to be research and that was quite liberating for me to then go and think about what else I might want to do that would continue to be sort of uh challenging in that way was there a particular moment where it became clearer to you or was it gradual i think it was gradual i think yeah i think it was a gradual process of like talking to people and getting more excited about things and thinking i don't think i ever um at, at that point thought yes this is definitely what i'm gonna do i didn't have that kind of conviction but i definitely thought this is worth exp like exploring very seriously um and then over time realized yeah this is definitely what i want to do when you're thinking through that it's almost as you explained it, it sounded like there was this kind of bank inside you that you were kind of constantly putting money into or like this is a terrible analogy but it was <laughs> it would give you this kind of you were collecting these bits of information as you went through this process that would eventually help you make the decision um is there a how do you balance both taking in these bits of information at, all at the same time whilst also making sure that you don't necessarily make this decision at that level and um, make it on a whim, but instead you use the kind of a, I guess what I'm trying to ask like what part of your brain are you using there to make that decision? And like some people use a part of their body almost to make it, they would use their heart or they would use their gut. And I wonder like where you, what part of you made that decision ultimately? I think, uh, yeah, I feel like it was a my gut feel that I it was the right choice to leave academia and um, pursue a startup. And then it was the, again, gut feel that this is the right company for me. Mm. Um, so more, less rigorous, I think, more, more of a gut feel. And also feeling that, 
um, I might as well. Like, I want to give it a go. There's never, there's never the perfect time to start a company or it's never going to be perfectly aligned where I say, okay, you know, everything's in order. Now is the right moment. It was just that if I'm going to give it a go, I might as well now. So you go in, you, you enter EF and you're in this, like, if I'm going to do it, I should do it now. You end up in that circumstance. And um, you said that perhaps the decision to go to EF was slightly easier than the decision to then make sure that you were choosing the right the right thing to work on with the right people. How did you go about that decision-making process? Well, at EF, you have the first um, like couple of months are really exploratory to meet lots of different potential co-founders and discuss different ideas. And you actually um, are encouraged to partner up with somebody, start working on something and then break up. They kind of celebrate um, breakups. And so through that process, you realize like what you don't want in a way or what's not quite right for you or what's doesn't align so well with your skill set or your like vision for things um and that's actually quite a helpful way of figuring out what you do want i think by understanding what what doesn't work um so during those couple of months i had a few different um projects i was working on with different people and realized like actually where um where where do my skills lie What, what does that mean then for the kind of person i want to work with and the kind of project i want to work on um and what do i feel passionately about it's quite a useful it's quite a useful exercise i guess yeah and what happened um i um found my co-founder james who's a um brilliant computer vision engineer and we started working on the problem of um online content moderation and automating the process of removing harmful content from the internet looking mostly at videos at the moment and was that something that um yeah, I guess you're. It's almost like you've got these two things competing. One is you have this. Uh, you want to make sure that you're working on whatever project it is with people who you connect with deeply. Then the other is you want to make sure that you're working on the right idea, and that idea is uh, in some ways so important for, for example, the two of us because it has to be. We have to have a founder market fit. It has to be something mm-hmm. that for us as individuals, there is some particular reason why we work on that problem. How did you go about aligning that? I think I always knew that if I was going to start a startup, it had to be something that I felt passionately about and something that um, I felt that was somehow good for the world. So I came in thinking like, oh, maybe I'll work in healthcare or in green energy or something that I felt was, uh, you know, tech for good felt important. Um, so I feel like I was always going to do something in the tech for good space um, and could never have done something, I don't know, to do with something that just makes the process more efficient, for example. Um, and so I think I was really well aligned in kind of this making the internet safer, safer as a mission. Um, and then the more I started looking into it, the more I read about it, the more I realized that it is super um, important to me. And also, I mean, part of my, um, there was a very bizarre part of my PhD was it was filmed and put online. And I was in this, this weird documentary. And this is actually after I started Unitary. But then um, as soon as it was online, I started getting all these messages from all these random people um and it really like just hit home for me how people feel like the internet is they're anonymous they can do whatever they want and they can 
or they can get in touch with whoever they want, even if they don't know them, and say whatever they want. And it was a very weird thing. I mean, I had a whole range of, you know, strange messages that were completely unsolicited. Um, but, and you know, I, nothing, nothing terrible. But then, like, you know, soon after that, there was the incident with footballers and there was the um, the penalties in the, in the England game and the, like, death threats that footballers were receiving, um, which were um, just essentially racist. Um and kind of made me realise, like, this is a very, this is so prevalent, this problem. It's not um, confined to just, you know, parts of the world where, or you know, just because we don't necessarily see it on a day-to-day basis doesn't mean it's it's not there. And actually, people are experiencing this kind of thing on a day-to-day basis. Will we, do you think we'll end up with an internet that... Uh where we all have a pseudonym so we're all like our our sort of fake people online Mm. um i don't think so i i think there'll always be people that have both um but i think so much of of um social media today is like presenting oneself as we want to be presented so half there's part of it where people feel like oh i can be anonymous and i can say what i want Mm. another part is like i'm going to take this photo of myself and edit it and make it you know put forward this you know, like in, very, on Instagram, there are lots of um, things about someone looking their best or uh, whatever it is. And it's so important for that to be connected to their own identity. And actually, it's like a, a sort of augmented version of themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's almost the two extremes. Has working on this challenge and this problem been what you imagined building a startup would be like oh, i'm not sure I, i'm not sure i knew what i imagined it's been yeah. uh it's been a roller coaster um you know i mean there's been the highs and lows and i guess i couldn't have predicted what they would have been um very tough i think and exhausting i remember i like once made my email address for the first time and no one emailed me <clears throat> obviously because i just made the email address and thinking like, oh, I've got to generate, you know, one day people are going to email this email address. I've got to generate all this interest. And now I'm like, people stop emailing me. I don't want any more emails. And uh, I had this moment of reflection the other day. I'm like, I remember when I was desperate for an email to this new email address. So actually, you know, small, small wins, I think. Um, but I, I don't know what I expected, but it's definitely been a whirlwind so far, and that's still only mm. only been, you know, not quite three years yet. So, mm. when you reflect on your uh, working journey in this present moment, how do you, what what timeframes do you use in order to make that assessment now? Because it sounds like you have this kind of slightly more unstructured way of figuring through these um, these decisions, but at the same time, it also sounds like you're not doing it for no reason like there is like a, a kind of some kind of um there's a there's a i don't quite know what the word is here but there's a like a there's a time period to it you mean like how long do i take to make a decision no sorry um how so one of the things that people really struggle with is like it's easy to say you should make these types of decisions thinking about the long term but it's like how long is the long term like is that two years or is that 20 years or is that 30 years and um 
when you were saying like I'm at the right, I'm right at the beginning of my career here. Like it's, it's the I am starting out. Like someone else might look at your journey so far and be like, well, what are you on about? Like you're in the middle of it. Like or you're getting towards the end of it. You should stop soon. Like <laughs> how do you figure that out? I think especially with startups, things move so fast. You can only think about the now, really. Um, especially thinking about like my role or my working role. Um, in the company will look so different today and that it will do in two years time um because hopefully the company will be in a totally different place might have many more people the actual what I do day to day will be so different and so I can't optimize for 10 years out it's, it's actually like what do I need right now as your work yeah, it, and it changes so much as a CEO how is do you have any ways of self-reflecting as you go through the constant different changes that your your work is going through to figure out what parts of it you really enjoy which parts you don't Cause I feel like as a CEO there's this is you have this unique job where it's one job title but in fact it's not like it's one job title but it's so many different jobs and you it constantly changes but it also gets to the point where you can pretty much build it in the way that you feel is right like do you have a mechanism by which you go through and um, build it? I think this is not a very good answer, but I think so far it's been fairly obvious to me which bits that I enjoy and which I don't enjoy because there's some things which I just put off doing until the last minute and mm. then I know I need to do it and it, so it, then it happens and it's not as good as it should be or um, I don't, I, know, I just know things aren't great. Like, for example, um, I have like no flair at all for design and so in the early days when customers would say like oh can you send us a deck my heart would sink and then I would put off doing it and then send something terrible um so I just knew that's something I'm, I'm never going to be good at um and other things I spend way too much time on um because I get really in- into it and feel like um it's something that I want to just focus on and maybe it didn't business didn't require that amount of detail or something mm. um, so I found that actually it's quite quite organic like I'll have a go at doing lots of things and then recognize where I'm falling behind and try and bring in someone to help out, help out with that. Are you optimizing for enjoyment there? Or... I think if I enjoy something, I'm more likely to, to do it quickly or, or no, quickly is the wrong word. I'm more likely to, to do it better. Mm. Um, and so I guess I'm optimizing for enjoyment and also um, where I'm be- where I'm, my skills are better aligned. I find it quite difficult to ask you questions because typically someone has like a, um, I guess a particular way that they've thought through how they would like go about their journey and they have like a really clear motivations that they've they've been pulled by. And it's like, yeah, yours sorry. is fascinating. Cause, no, no, it's great. And yours is fascinating because it's like, it's almost like you've kept it so broad and you've just kind of really gone with whatever you felt was right at the time. And so questions like how have you how have you self-reflected on those motivations and what do you do in order to like more deeply understand what those motivations are kind of feels slightly less applicable because almost it's they've just been things that you've like stumbled upon along the way somehow yeah I think in, in some ways I think I've I've um tried maybe to never say no to things so to put myself in a position where mm. I could open up new opportunities and things um so just get involved in, in lots of things. Um, mm. So that's been really helpful. Um, I love meeting people and chatting to people about their experiences. And that's been 
really helpful as well in figuring out um, what I want to do next. Mm. Something I find really useful um, with everything actually is talking to somebody who's one step ahead in their journey. So now as like a founder, like speaking to another founder who's, you know, two years or one year ahead of me Mm. is really helpful for advice. But the same goes for like somebody who was a year before me made the jump into doing EF or leaving academia or something. Mm. Um, It was a really useful way of thinking through like, is this what's right for me? Do I have a similar mindset to you did at the time? Do you think that's unique to your specific position? Or do you think that that's something that you would be doing if you're in academia too? Totally. I think it's not unique at all. Um, it's always really helpful to speak to someone who's just one step ahead because they've been through mm. what you went through so recently that it's still fresh for them. Mm. Um, and they, st- you know, they can still remember what it was like and give advice that's actually more relevant mm. rather than many years out and say like, oh, I remember when, you know, it'll be fine, you'll get through it or something. Um, people who said, oh yeah, like, doing this thing was really hard and this is how I went about it. What do you think are the things that you like find most challenging about navigating your own working journey? Something that's challenging is that I feel like hopelessly ill-equipped for every stage and especially as um, as a founder like every time the company changes at all I go through this like phase of feeling completely out of my depth and then I've no idea what's going on and then it takes a while to sort of settle down and be like no I can do this I, I know what's going on and then it sort of happens all over again. And so I found that really challenging that um, I sort of go in cycles of feeling like this is, wow, I have no idea what's what's happening or I don't feel like I know enough or to be in this position or to be making this decision or whatever. Um, and then slowly the pieces sort of fall into place. Um, so I found that so tough. And that's the same in, in any um line of work I, I would imagine that you feel like every time you try something new it's you, don't, you never know what's going to happen um and it's just become way more pronounced for me um in the startup what do you do in those moments um try and speak to lots of people so i've got lots of sort of i mean in the startup where you have some great advisors and people that i i lean on to say you know what did you do in this in this situation and try and collect information um also this is like a terrible answer but i i love reading um those like startup books um and you know the sort of startup stories um and in all of these books there's always near disasters the whole time and it gives me comfort they're like oh you know they they felt out of their depth or these Mm. these things nearly went horribly wrong so many times over so you know it's fine Mm. if i feel this way it's just adding to to my one day maybe book (laughs) Why put yourself through it all? Like, good question. I love it, um, but I I feel like I thrive in being in the deep end and figuring out how to make things um, more stable. Um, I really get a, a thrill out of having something really challenging mm. that I don't know how to navigate, and then figure out how to navigate it. Um, so I, I I actually really enjoy that part of it, um, and I and I feel like um, being a fan has forced me to confront lots of um, like weaknesses in myself. And there's no there's not much scope. I don't know. If maybe you feel the same. But like if you if you're bad at like giving feedback or receiving feedback or whatever it is, you have to work on every single aspect of 
Mm. Um, you know, everything's you're confronted with all your all your own flaws um, in such a um, strong way. So I feel like I've it, it's it's been a really big learning curve, mm. which I've actually it's hard, but I really enjoy it. It strikes me that your character may be way better suited than mine to this environment because you're there's this like kind of like being being like plopped into the middle of the mayhem and like kind of dealing with that mayhem as it appears feels like something that comes naturally to you in some way i think i i i like mayhem um i don't know do you how do you feel about mayhem I'm less of a fan of mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> you seem to be doing pretty well. <laughs> well <laughs> yeah, I'm not as not not a fan of mayhem at all. <laughs> in fact, would would like to not be in in mayhem. But I, yeah, I, I feel the complete opposite. I think. That's funny. I mean, it's not that I like the mayhem, but I I get a lot of satisfaction from getting getting out of the mayhem. Yeah and probably more than if it just it wasn't there in the first place Mm. is that because you're consciously choosing that because it's what you just because that's what you enjoy what it's that's because that's what's fun or are you doing it because you feel like you have to or like you're compelled to do it i don't know i think i i i think i have i don't get that stressed i suppose i feel like it's going to be all right so Mm. That means that maybe my tolerance for mayhem is a bit higher. Um, but I don't know. I think I do enjoy it. It's definitely not like a conscious, shall I put myself mm. in this situation because it looks precarious or chaotic. Um, I don't know. Maybe people around me would say that it's still chaotic. <laughs> I wonder if there are CEOs who like are absolutely clear all the time, all day, every day, that all they ever wanted to be was CEO and that was it? I don't know, but there's probably like more professional CEOs or like... Yeah, true. Or who, true. who have done it before, who recognise like this is my skill set or maybe it's like in selling or, or some important part of the job that they go in to do that role. Whereas I feel like I feel similarly to you in that I'm doing things because no one else wants to do them and they need to be done. Yeah, I think you're right that if you're professional ceo then you're probably the job probably stays the same as well it, it's less changing and it's more like i guess the, tr- the difference between being a founder and being a ceo isn't it if you're a founder you care deeply about the problem that's come organically from some original place whereas if you are a ceo you're more worried about scaling the company and how that runs mm-hmm. you have this like unique insight for af as well that i've never had which is you have the you have seen other ceos at different stages and well have like seen them go up or down and do different things or as you've kept track of those ceos and or like or as, as your, of your ef peers like have there been any i guess lessons that you've learned about those founders that have been counterintuitive to what you thought the startup kind of classic founder mentality would be i think it's really hard can be really hard to predict like who's got this startup mentality or yeah not it's not and i don't know i mean it's there's so many like elements to it like the companies that have gone on to do super well or not well Mm. there's so many factors that go into that it's hard to 
decide whether that was a attribute of the founder or not. Mm. Um, but in terms of CEOs, there's so many different personalities. Um, there's so many different types of CEOs and there's so many different mm. types of companies as well. Um, so I feel like definitely it's not a one size fits all type type thing. There's just so many ways of being a founder and being like any employee or anything, you know, mm. um, there's so many ways of doing something well. Kind of annoying, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I'd just like you to give me the playbook, please. And I'll run with that playbook. That would be great. That is something I found quite annoying generally is that there are so many things I feel like somebody's everyone's probably done this before why is it not yeah. why is it not just written down why am I making it up again yeah you would think that surely the course of history had taught us some of these lessons that I don't have to go through this fucking painful experience to learn and I could just read the fucking book yeah so exactly. annoying how do you know when your things are in like your because I always really struggle with the control part and knowing like you know when when am I just basically kidding myself and actually like i this was all within my control i'm just trying to tell myself that there was stuff that was outside of my control that's gone wrong it's like i almost like look at the whole thing and i think i'm in control i find it difficult to work out what i'm not in control of you mean like when is when something's gone wrong um is it, was it your fault, do you mean? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Or if uh, that w that would require an event to happen, but there's also the kind of your failures of omission when you don't do something mm -hmm. that actually you should have done that would have been so much better. I'm constantly thinking, like, am I the right person for this job? Should I be, be this, Should I be doing this CEO thing? And then there gets to a point where it's like, well, and, and I can look in two ways, I guess. One is, what are the things that were in or out of my control that I did? And then what are the things that were in or out of my control that I didn't do? And it's almost like that. Those two assessments, both ways, I always struggle to work out what I sh what would have, what I should have, what was in my control and what wasn't. I just usually look at both and think the whole fucking thing was in my control, and I screwed the whole thing up. But that's always the way. You can always do more. You can always do things differently and better. And I think, especially like what well, I feel anyway, because it's all new to me. Like everything is new. I never have no idea. I never have any idea what's going on. I was just like. You know, hope that I'm doing the best thing, and that in hindsight you could always have done it better. And there's always there's always something else, something that I could have done differently. Um, but that's reflecting on that too much is a bit painful because yeah. it's always the way. Um, mm. but yeah, I mean, a lot of things are are in your control. But how do you compute that against your ambition? Because you know, I can sit here and say oh, I didn't want to be a CEO. But I did want to do something really meaningful. And I probably will be quite upset if at the end of my life I haven't achieved the 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 kind of ambitions that are inside my own mind. It's like it's difficult to compute that ambition. I find it hard to know, like, okay, how can I just say that these things are going to go wrong? Surely I should be better than that because always yeah always but if you take too long to make a decision about something or agonize over something then you'll also miss out on something else yeah yeah like i think there's there's always a trade-off between doing something perfectly and doing something fast and mm. i don't know there's a time and a place for both and it's hard sometimes it's hard to know i always get it wrong mm. but you could always have done something better or quicker mm. I've really enjoyed talking. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much to you. It's been really nice to chat. 
The Best Work podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at cord.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.